This is Life of an Architect, a podcast dedicated to all things architecture with a little bit of life thrown in for balance. What is the difference between leadership and management? There's definitely some overlap, but the key distinction lies in, wait, you thought I was going to tell you in the opening? It's going to take some time to talk through those distinctions before we actually get to that answer. Welcome to episode 136, Leadership versus Management. Today's episode is generously brought to you with support from Construction Specialties, maker of architectural building products designed to master the movement of buildings, people, and natural elements. Welcome to the Life of an Architect podcast. I'm Bob Borson. And I'm Andrew Hawkins. And today we are talking about the nuanced distinction between leadership and management. In the circles that I travel in, these terms are often used interchangeably, yet they encompass distinctive sets of skills, values, and priorities. And we set today's topic up for discussion really during episode 134, Management 101, when attempting to answer the question, Do you have any pointers for architects who are transitioning into management roles? We felt that we needed to clarify the difference between management and leadership so that we could focus our conversation, but recognize that there was a lot to unpack and discuss, not only what sets leadership and management apart, but also how their collaboration can propel an organization to the success that they no doubt aim to achieve. So here we are, leadership versus management. Do you have thoughts on this subject? Andrew, are they hot? Do you have hot opinions? <laughs> I don't know if they're hot, but I do have <laughs> I do have some at least lukewarm opinions on this matter. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe they're hot. Maybe they're contradictory to the norm, possibly. So we'll see. That might make for an interesting conversation point. Since I like to do a little bit of research and preparation for each show, I went back through the Life of an Architect archives to see what I'd written or discussed in the past where leadership and management was concerned. And if you had to guess a number out of the, I don't know, 1,200 articles that I've published, Mm -hmm. how many do you think have to do with leadership or management? 23. 23? Yeah. Five. Did I overshot it? I was like, I way overshot (laughs) it. Yeah, it's five. (laughs) Yeah, it was five. So I go back to look at it. And the first one I wrote was in August of 2013. And it literally was titled, Leadership versus management. <laughs> so, no, seriously. Wow. All right. Yeah. That was literally the first one I wrote. And it was the first time that I'd ever pointedly thought about this topic, to be honest with you. And it was, I just started a new job. And before I was like two guys removed from being the guy. And now all of a sudden I'm the guy. And so I was like, I need to think about it. That article was a follow-up to our post I wrote called How to Be the Best Employee Ever. And I thought, well, maybe I should talk about how to be the best manager ever. So that was the first time I waded into any kind of putting my thoughts on paper or any kind of organizational structure on what leadership was or what management was. And then it took me almost a year before I wrote the next one, which was just titled Leadership. And that one was kind of interesting. At least it was interesting to me. It was because I got asked to be, there were three of us that got selected to present a day-long symposium on the topic of leadership. And at first I was like, well, sure, I'll be happy to do that. And then I hung up the phone when they asked me. Then about 30 minutes later, I sent the guy an email and I go, "Uh, what do you actually want me to talk about though? (laughs) 
I was like, I'm not a leader. Sounds good. Uh, wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. And he goes, no, no, no. This is part of the reason you're a leader is because you don't think you're a leader. And here's these other attributes. So this is the things that we think that you could bring some focus or some kind of conversation about. So I ended up doing a ton of research because I was panicked over, I don't know, there's that phrase for it when that imposter syndrome, people are paying money to be in the room and I have three hours where I'm supposed to like go, all right, everybody, let's talk about leadership. And I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> Reverting to like in a van down by the river. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. It's funny. So I'll put a link to all these posts in here because I went back and I go, you know what? There's a little bit of a trajectory to them. And there's some things in there that I go, all right, well, I still think all of these things. I still buy into all of these. But one of the things I did as part of my presentation is I went and I collected all these business quotes, management quotes, leadership quotes. And so that article, yeah, there's probably, I don't know, 30 that are in there. And they're all pretty good. They're pretty good. So actually, as part of today's discussion, I went and I curated out a quote that supports whatever key topic that we're going to be talking about that supports the position that we're taking. So, mm-hmm. And I've got a few that I have too. Because I, in my professional practice seminar, I actually have a day that we talk about leadership. Oh, nice. So I've got a bunch of quotes, too, that I'm combing through. So I wonder if we have any of the same. I'm sure we have some of the same ones. It'll be interesting if we have some of the same ones right now today in these points. I'd kind of be surprised if we didn't yeah. have them, to be honest with you. So then in March of 2017, so I took a hiatus on the topic for a couple of years. And I wrote this post called Attitude Reflects Leadership. I was hot. I mean, I was mad when I wrote this one. And it's basically this anecdotal story about how there was a mistake on the job site and the contractor's reaction was covering his butt. The site superintendent, his reaction was not like, okay, what do we got to do to fix it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was kind of like, oh, this isn't right. And it wasn't my fault, like right out of the gate. And I lit into this guy, which I never do. That is not my personality. And I thought about it. I took off the phone. And I was like, you know what? That guy's probably just doing what he's supposed to. He's probably a great employee. Like his boss probably told him. Hey, whenever there's a mistake, you Do need this. to make sure that it's not back on us, regardless of whether or not it is. And so I started thinking about the idea of attitude reflects leadership and how there's actually a quote in that one that the employer gets the employees he deserves sort of thing. I know the quote. I don't know who said it. I'd have to go back and look at that post on leadership to find out which one it was. When you talk about leaders, it's kind of like you're the gold standard. Like you need to behave in such a way to where you are what people should want to aspire to through your actions, through your behavior, for how you carry yourself, how you talk to people, that becomes part of it. And so that's what that post was. Yeah. When you get in that spot, you set the tone. Yeah. If you're the head of a company or the leader of a group or a team or whatever they may be in that role, you definitely set the tone for how everyone else is supposed to act, behave, do whatever, what their attitudes are, or what their reactions to things are based on the way you do it. Yeah. I mean, there's a little bit of that. I don't know. It was kind of the same idea that when I started this podcast, there's always lurking that idea that you're going to expose yourself as a fraud and a dummy. And, and when I first started writing all these articles, I mean, oh my gosh, I was just like gripped with this fear that I'm putting this stuff out there and everyone's going to look at it and go, this guy is an imbecile. You know, <laughs> it's a really scary thing to put yourself out there in a way that you're almost requesting for people to evaluate and judge you. And you don't know them and they don't know the whole story. And I've gotten a lot of that over the years. Yeah. But there's this decision I made back then that, well, I'm not even going to try to pretend to be something that I'm not. So at the very least, at the end of the day, when I feel like I'm going to sleep, if I did something that somebody doesn't agree with, 
I'm going to make my peace with it because that's who I am. And I try to be a good person, all that kind of stuff. But if you pretend to be someone you're not, eventually you're going to crack. Like you can't pretend forever. Yeah. You know, it's hard to maintain that facade forever. Yes. Yeah. So then the podcasts kind of start and we did an episode number 54 again, titled leadership. And that's the one where I had my sister on the show. Oh, uh uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Which may sound like nepotism, but she's quite literally the most qualified person I've ever met to discuss what it means to be a leader. So if you haven't listened to that one and you're like, hey, I like, what does it actually mean to be a leader from someone who is unquestionably a leader? Like that's how their life has evolved. That's a good show to unbox, quite honestly. And it was funny because I thought, well, I wonder how many of the questions that we talked about with her, what does leadership mean to you? Or can anybody be a leader? Is it something you can train for? Or is it about harnessing natural talents, the value of executive leadership training, stuff like that. So it's, it's a mm-hmm. good episode. Yeah, yeah, I remember it. And then the very last one, which is the one we just did a couple episodes, which was Management 101, which we talked a little bit about it, but it was more the management side of things. But again, this is a compare and contrast episode, management versus leadership or vice versa. There was something here. I, I'm not sure it fits in, quite honestly, but it's proved to be a foundational quote like we've all read quotes and they're good. And you're like, oh, that's great. I'm going to have to remember that one. Yeah. But there was, in that very first post, I ended with a quote that I found. And like I said, it's become foundational to me. And it has almost all the thoughts that I have developed on my own about leadership and what that means was actually a quote from Margaret Thatcher. Maggie. All right. And her quote was, being powerful is like being a lady. If you have to tell people you are, you aren't. <laughs> and I was like... Okay, so you could actually extrapolate that. That's good. Yeah, yeah. It's short. There's not a lot of words that you'd want to get rid of. It paints a very, very nuanced message that you can apply across many different platforms. Like in this case, I use it when I think about leadership because if you have to tell people you're the leader, you aren't. Mm -hmm. That's just kind of how that works. A title is not going to make you the leader. If all of a sudden your label is Bob Borson, leader, that doesn't do anything. Yeah, for sure. So leadership and management. As we get into these, they're inextricably linked to one another. But, and I've said this phrase many times, probably even on this show, that management is a role that you're hired into and leadership is thrust upon you by others. You can't be the leader because you want to be the leader. Other people have to choose you to be the leader. Yeah. There's not necessarily a clear path. I know I'm going to make it to project manager. (laughs) It's not like, right. I'm not going to make it to, firm leader, whatever, it doesn't really quite work that way. There's those nuances in there. And again, yeah, titles may lead and say those things, but I mean, we've all been in places where the person who was in charge wasn't really a leader and it was somebody that was adjacent to them or right under them that was actually the person that was the leader and, and holding everything together and, and being the real leader of the group. Well, everybody recognizes that and figures it out pretty quick, I think. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like, yeah. You're technically, your title is this thing that suggests that you're the one that's making decisions or whatever, but we all know it's this person. Eventually, you just start going to that other person. Yeah. That's who you end up talking to. That You all know it. Yeah. We started calling this in my office. I say we, it was me, but I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to do a groundswell. I want everyone to get on board, buy into it. Uh-huh. And we started talking about people who have Pied Piper personality. Hmm. The idea that that's like baby level leadership tendencies. Like you can be fairly young and people already start to exhibit leadership qualities. 
before they even realize it, or even before they have the responsibilities of it, before they have the title of it, I mean, you can start to see it. So we start talking about Pied Piper characteristics, and it's the idea that you can say, hey, I think this is a good idea, and people will fall in line, like they're going to go, all right, let's do what they say. Like they get people to buy in. There's a vision that they're able to articulate in some way that gets everybody else go, yep, that's what we're doing. And some people don't have that. It's like they have to rely on the, hey, I'm the boss. I'm telling you what you got to do. We're not talking about this anymore. Do what I said. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't really think leaders don't have to take that task yeah. or carry that mantle in that way. So anyway, I went through all of those five posts. And part of the reason I regurgitate them here, because they really were how I chose the different sections to talk about today and how we could compare and contrast or discuss overlaps. And these are also in the order of the value that I perceive them to be in. So the very first topic that we have for discussion is vision and strategy. And so in my notes, the way I've broken it down is what's the focus from a management standpoint? And then what's the focus from a leadership standpoint? Does that make sense? So topic is vision and strategy. The management focus is managers focus on planning and executing strategies. They develop detailed plans, they set targets, they make sure that the resources are allocated efficiently to meet the objectives. That's their focus in the category of vision and strategy. Leadership focus, it's the idea that leaders are visionary. You know, they set the direction for the organization, they articulate hopefully a compelling vision, and they inspire others to share in that vision, which is kind of like the Pied Piper personality traits. They guide the development of a long-term strategy. To kind of put those two together, managers implement strategies, leaders create vision that drive those strategies. You got to have both of them. You got to have a well-executed strategy. But if you have a well-executed strategy, but you don't have a clear vision, that's short-term games, but you might not be able to sustain it, I don't think. Yeah, and at some point it may change. The strategies may change. I feel like they're a little more temporary in that case. There's not a longer vision for where those strategies are going. It's sometimes easier for us to just change strategies real quick. Let's switch to the next strategy and switch yeah. to the next strategy. Oh, we accomplished this strategy. Let's move on to strategy two or what's next. Yeah. Well, now strategy eight, let's try that instead, instead of having a, a longer term goal. Even in this situation of vision and strategy, I think it's a comparison of even time spans, right? Whereas a manager is maybe more focused on short term things mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and a leader is more focused on long term things to be able to say, well, I'm looking out past that and I've got the ideas or the strategies to get us further down the line, but I need the manager person is trying to implement those shorter term goals to get sure. to that longer vision. Yeah. I remember telling somebody once that, and now, I don't know, maybe the analogy is not the right way to describe it. I was kind of like, the leader is saying, hey, we're going to Kansas City. And then the management is, this is the route we're going to take. Mm -hmm. This is the path. Exactly. They're responsible for making sure that all the parts and pieces and the logic's in place to actually get us to where the vision says we need to be. Mm -hmm. So I go, all right, Kansas City. Someone else goes, well, this is the road we're going to take. And we're going to bring five cars. We're going to put three people per car. Yeah. We're going to stop for gas. This off. Like execution. That's a big part of what that distinction is. Yeah, I think so. So the quote that I dug out to support this one is... And I guess this is where we get to find out if any of these overlap with your quotes. Management is doing things right. Leadership is doing the right things. That's Peter Drucker who wrote that one. 
And I chose that quote because it emphasizes the distinction between efficiency of management and the effectiveness of leadership. And it underscores the importance of balancing both. Yeah, that's the exact quote that I was going to use for this one. It's an obvious one. If anyone who reads any of these, yeah. if this is something that you look into, you're going to stumble into Peter Drucker a lot. Yeah. There's nothing else to say. Yeah. That was the one I had for that also. Yeah, there you go. Bing bong or high five. What? You know? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. High five. So let's move on to the second category. And it was focus on tasks versus focusing on people. So management and managers, I guess is maybe a better way to put it. They focus on tasks and processes. Their job is to ensure that the necessary steps are being taken to achieve organizational goals and that things run the way they're supposed to run. This is what it's supposed to do. Make sure that's what happens. Yeah, yeah. Whereas leaderships focus on the people. They inspire, they motivate, they foster collaboration, they hopefully foster an innovative culture. Somebody's going to say you're full of garbage, and I'm fine with that, but I have on here that leaders understand that success ultimately comes from the collective efforts of everybody. Mm -hmm. And that this is going to be a recurring theme in all the stuff I've put together. It's that you can't have success without both of these. And you'll have limited or short-term success if you only have one over the other. So they all have value. But it's like the secret sauce comes when you get them together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree. So effective leaders understand that people are not just resources, that they're the driving force behind the organization and managers ensure that tasks are completed. Leaders ensure that people are engaged and motivated. You know, it's funny. I do all these check-ins in my office with people and most of them are fairly early on in their career. And so part of the conversations we have start from what are you doing and what do you want to be doing? Are there things that you, you're not aligned with? I want to work on that type of market sector projects. Like how does it contribute to their long-term growth? And are they picking up the skills that are going to allow them to get to where we think that they want to be? That's part of the conversations that we have. And one of the phrases that I use a lot, I probably overuse it, to be honest with you. It's that judging a fish by its ability to climb a tree. Uh, by climb a tree, yeah. And so there are times when you're looking at your people, and I view my leadership role in the office is to making sure the people are happy and part of the way I make sure they're happy is that they're doing what they want to do or what they're suited to do. And sometimes there's a little bit of a conversation that has to focus or reposition their expectations. It's also the idea that at some point you're going to have to realize that you're not going to be a ballerina after all. Yeah. Or an astronaut. Yeah, yeah. A professional athlete. Yeah. So at some point there's this dream or this view of how you see yourself. And as you evolve through your career, you start to realize what am I good at? And then eventually the things that you're good at tend to be the things you want to do. And so in my capacity, my job is to figure that out and then put those people in the place where they can grow, but someone else is actually managing the day-to-day -day aspects of moving them from square one to square two to square three. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You want to see if we have another alignment on quotes for this one? Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Okay. I'm going to give you a little sneak peek. This one's from Tom Peters. Nope. Yeah. Okay. We got a different one, so we're good. Yeah. All right. Here you go. So I chose management is about arranging and telling. Leadership is about nurturing and enhancing. Mm. And again, that's from Tom Peters. All right. And I've seen his name pop up, but I actually have never read anything. I mean, I know the name, but I don't know who he is. Yeah. So I looked him up and 
Wikipedia said that he's an American author on business management practices. And I was like, well, that's generic, obviously. <laughs> yeah, super generic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, how does somebody that's like saying, I mean, maybe I shouldn't say it. There's those people that can't do the work, so they become experts on telling other people how to do the work. Uh-huh, yeah. So I looked this guy up, and it's interesting. So his background was in the Navy, and then he went into the Pentagon, and then he went to McKinsey and Company, where he became a partner, an organization effectiveness practice leader. I go, sounds like this guy was tailor-made to then segue into the twilight years about writing business management practice books. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what he did. Yeah. And, you know, he's written a bunch of really good ones. Huh, interesting. So that's my quote. All right. Well, I'll say this. Yeah. I chose that one because it captures the contrasting difference between the organizational aspect of management with the people-centric nature of leadership. That goes back to the arranging and telling for management and nurturing and enhancing for leaders. Yeah. So mine is, a, it's more about the people side, I guess. I maybe kind of disregarded the other part somewhat, but... <laughs> Just in a sense of like how a leader deals with people, maybe is the way I'm looking at this one. But okay. this is a quote by Jack Welch, who was the, I had to look it up, but the CEO of General Electric GE for like four oh, years yeah. or something. Oh, yeah. Do you remember David Letterman used to talk about Jack Welch all the time because GE oh, owned right. NBC yeah. for a long <laughs> that's time? Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, there was a whole thing. I'm not going to give away your quote, but does it start with the words, before you are? Yes. <laughs> all right. Let's hear it. So, yeah. So this one's about people. Before you are a leader, success is all about growing yourself. When you become a leader, success is about growing others. Yes. Yeah. So that's my people-centric thing about when you become a leader, you really start to care about the success of other people and not just yourself. Yeah. So in that people-centric version, and if we're going to talk about tasks, it's not about the task. It's about me making the people around me better. There's a couple other quotes on leadership that follow that same idea of making the people around you better, which mm -hmm. makes everything better. Yeah. That's a quality of a leader is that they're really trying to make everybody better and not just themselves. So, well, that's that also supports the if you're the leader, you give the credit but take the blame, right? Yeah. So, yeah. That's about making lives better for the people. You carry all the water yourself. Yeah. So, the next, you got something you want to throw in there? I have one by Sam Walton that might work too. I don't know if you have one by Sam Walton, Mr. Walmart. Drop some Sam Walton knowledge on me. All right, some Walmart knowledge. And it's a similar vein, but it says outstanding leaders go out of their way to boost the self-esteem of their personnel. If people believe in themselves, it's amazing what they can accomplish. Yes. Yeah, there's a bunch of quotes that are pretty similar to that. Yeah, yeah. So it's about, again, helping those people around you not being so self-centric. And a leader starts to become that person. I get to a certain level where I'm more entrenched in helping people around me succeed. Because I know that it's that whole, their high tides lift all boats or whatever it is. Like, Rising tide lifts all boats. Yeah, I missed that one up all the time. But yeah. <laughs> yes. Man, these, some of these quotes, for a while I thought, you know what, we should just read quotes and go, hmm, that's a good one. Like, that's, there's, so many, there's so many good ones. Hmm, <laughs> that's real. Yeah. He's spitting facts. Yes. I know. More from Life of an Architect in just a moment. Andrew and I are joined today by Martin Reed, Business Development Manager for Construction Specialties, who has over 25 years experience working with architects on helping to develop facade product solutions. Hi, Martin. Thanks for being with us today. How are you doing? Yeah, pretty good. Thanks for having me. Well, we know you're English. Where are you at? 
Well, I won't tell you villages because you've probably never heard of them, but I'm about 30 miles northeast <laughs> of the city of London. So just outside the motorway that borders the city itself. It's up near Berkhamsted, just in the countryside. So it's green. It's, uh, it's a nice part of the world. So we're here today with Martin to talk about construction specialties facade solutions and essentially the value of engaging CS early in the design process and how that can be extremely beneficial to architects as they navigate code requirements, challenging construction budgets, and even how best to realize their vision throughout the construction process because we know that things change from where you start and where they end up sometimes. So Martin, can you walk us through some of the initiatives that CS has specific to the facades? solutions group and how they can help architects with these challenges? So one of the things that is a key focus for us is that every architect wants to build something unique. Maybe a fin, but it's got to be a fin that nobody else has done. It might be a perfect panel and the same applies. So we're almost got to try to create something new each time. I think there are so many variables within there that early involvement is a key. So we can lay out all of the options that CS can deliver and how we can help the architect look at that design and realize that design. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we always mention is sort of a napkin sketch stage and being involved as early as possible. We're quite happy to work at our own risk in the background while, even if it's considered a little bit too early. But if we can get almost a sketch rather than a drawing, we can then start to show the architect multiple different ways using various different parts and pieces. Mm -hmm. Then hopefully we'll give them ideas to then generate products that we can then start to work from. So rather than it come back and it be perhaps just a specific bin, maybe we could do that in a number of different ways that we could put a twist on it or we could put an image on it that they hadn't realized could be done. So we will try and run five, six, seven, eight different options and then all the variations of those bigger fins or heavier duty fins or heavy wind load conditions and, and then looking at sort of seismic and all of the engineering factors so we can build that in at the same time. I can imagine that as a designer who actually designs facades on big buildings, the idea that if somebody comes to you with an idea or even a rough image that says, this is what I'm trying to achieve, yep. and then that you guys can actually say, well, here's a couple of different ways that might be able to get you to what you're looking for. And that's the concept behind the napkin sketch yeah. involvement, I believe. Yeah, it's a prime time yeah. in which we can say, look, you can do all of these different things, at which point we expect the architect to take those ideas and hopefully then be even more creative with what you were going to do. And then we maintain that dialogue. So if you have an idea of say, well, this, we can then start to tailor the design. Sure. The reason for doing multiple designs is as a progressed is something will fall by the wayside. Client doesn't like that or that's too expensive. So that ultimately we might start off with seven or eight different ideas, but ultimately if we end up with two or three, then gives you the architect good choice at the end of the day as to uh, good for sale product. Sounds like obviously the earlier you're in the more options there are because if we come to you later in the game yeah and we're locked in we say well we've done everything based on this panel and you go well the panel might not really work for this or it's not the best solution but it's too late at that point that's it you know we've just had one recently where we had a thing that needed to span about 17 feet it was drawn up two inches deep eight inches wide and with every bit of engineering experience that we had we had to make it two and a quarter which doesn't sound much but on a eight inch blade clearly just adjust the proportions but it's things like that where that's the blade we want, and then that's how far we wanted to span. So obviously, in at the beginning, we could have identified that you might need to be a little bit bigger than two inches, and then giving you different shapes and profiles of, to give you the optimum product. And then that's the thing with the, the custom. We try and avoid the word custom because it generates a... But your immediate thought is that it's going to be costly. And we try and use the word modified because it's just product we've done before, but slightly modified. So 
if you want a fin that spans 10 feet, there's no point in giving you a heavier fin that spans 15 because it's something we've got that we've already done. So providing it's economic to run you a new dive, we'll just run you a new dive that's designed to do that. So those as well, it's trying to sort of tailor everything. In the back of our mind, we've always got the install in mind as well as the cost. So as we're designing things with the architect, we're looking and considering those. So if we know that the architect is going off somewhere that's going to be very, very expensive in operable systems or rear hinged motorized fins, we would try and sort of say, look, that's going to be really expensive. We can sort of look at the different options and steer you at the same time as considering how it's going to be built. Is this going to take a lot of time on site? Can it be panelized? Mm-hmm. What can we do that maintains the design, but is easy for the installer? And then you must save money on the install as well. Sure. Martin, I want to thank you for taking time today to chat with us. Thanks for letting me come in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we appreciate it. Construction Specialties has been creating inspired solutions for a more intelligently built environment since 1948. Visit masteringmovement.net to learn more. Okay, so let's go into number three again, because there's five of these. Okay. And this one is risk management versus risk taking. And just the way I labeled it, you kind of already know where this is going to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So managers are risk averse and focus on minimizing uncertainties. They implement processes and controls to ensure stability and predictability in the operations. Yes, that's quite literally what you want them to do. It even fits the, the leader chooses Kansas City. Kansas City. And the manager figures out the best way to, to take care of it. Management takes care of that problem. That's what this is. Risk averse, focus on minimizing uncertainties, implement processes and controls to ensure stability and predictability. It's a pretty important part. might be one of the the most singular important parts of management. Leadership has to do with leaders embrace calculated risks. So they encourage innovation. And I'd say that they understand that growth involves stepping into the unknown. Leaders inspire culture where failures are seen as learning opportunities. And I'm not saying that I'm a leader here, but there's certain qualities that come out. And I go, take this website. When I did this website, man, there wasn't anybody doing this kind of stuff. I did it because I wanted to learn how to do it. And let me tell you, I was out in the dark, cold, black, fast-moving water. So it was like, I couldn't go, hey, man, how do you do this? Because there wasn't anybody to ask. Yeah. You do it because you think it's the right thing to do. I did it because I was like, hey, maybe we ought to be paying attention to this whole digital communication thing. I think it's going to turn into something. So you, you start and you kind of do it. This might be something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we might want to think it might work out. So you start doing that sort of thing. <laughs> In this case, I mean, if I really want to apply the comparison to myself, I go, all right, well, in this case, I was both because I had a vision to say this is something I should do, but then I also had to manage the process because it was just me. I was like, we should do this. And then the other part of me goes, yes, we should. And it's, it's just me doing it in the early days. Yeah, yeah. So the summary for the, those two statements is that you have to have a balance between risk management and risk taking. It's crucial. If you have too much focus on the stability, it's going to hinder growth. And if you're reckless, it can lead to instability. So leader's job is to kind of find the middle ground. You want to go where no person, let's get the Star Trek quote correct, you know, go where no person has gone before. But you need to count on people to, hey, 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 don't go there though. (laughs) We don't want to do that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So the quote I have for this one is from... And I never get the guy's name right. And I know that you love this guy. So it might be the same quote. Simon Sinek. Sinek, yeah. yeah, yeah. So the quote that I chose from him 
was leadership is not about being in charge. It's about taking care of those in your charge. And I chose it because it emphasizes that true leadership involves taking responsibility for the well-being of the team, even if it means taking risks for their benefit. And that's just another way of saying, sometimes you got to do something you don't want to do because it benefits the whole. Mm -hmm. That's a big part of it. So do you have a quote for this section? Yeah. The one I thought about this one is the one by John Maxwell. I mean, you may have that one, but... I got a bunch from him. A good leader is a person who takes a little more than their share of the blame and a little less their share of the credit. Yeah. To me, the blame part of that is where I do the risk. Because in taking blame, I'm taking on the risk of everybody that I'm leading. Regardless of what's happening, I'm taking the risk and assuming the blame for whatever happens. And so that's the way I look at that one in the best way that I could. I mean, I think yours is probably a little bit more on the nose than this one, but that's the only one I got that's close to fitting with this idea of management risk versus risk-taking. You know, it's funny. I was looking through. I was like, I wonder if I do have that quote. I do have that Sam Walton quote. After all, I missed it. It's on here. Oh, yeah. It's in this list. Sure. Let's go on to number four, adaptability and change. So managers seek to maintain stability and consistency. We actually started talking about this one in section one because you were talking about recognizing when you need to change or if you change too often, it's because you're like, what's the next step? And then you do it and you're like, okay, Mm -hmm. change. Like it's a pivot. Yeah. In fact, there was something I was going to throw in. We had a meeting this morning and there's this exercise that we want to go through. It's not my place to unveil it just yet. I mean, maybe we'll talk about it at some point, but everybody's getting into the weeds a little bit, like right out of the gate. They're talking about, okay, here's the idea. And this is how we're doing it. And I go, wait a minute. We need to talk about the why first, and then we're going to talk about the who and the when and all these things before we get to the how. How is not this meeting? If we start talking about the how, stop. This is not, this is yeah. not a how meeting. There's a lot more steps before we get there. Yes. Meeting one is why and who, and then what. It's just one of these things that you kind of go, all right, well, we can keep it fairly abstract at this point. As soon as you start saying, oh, we should use this font type to really highlight, I go, oh, no, no. <laughs> Nice. Okay. So this one, the adaptability and change. And if you have the quote, I'm just going to lead with this one. If you have the quote for this one, I'm going to be flabbergasted. We're going to have to hit pause while I recover from having fainted on the floor. Okay. It's a good one, but if you get it, I'm going to be stunned. All right. So adaptability and change for management. Managers seek to maintain stability and consistency. They implement processes that ensure a steady course of action and are often resistant to rapid changes. Does that not describe every project manager you've ever met in your life? Yeah. No, we did it this way before. Even if they're not great project managers, that's still them. Yeah. Leadership embraces change. They understand the need for adaptation in a dynamic environment and inspire a culture that is open to innovation and continuous improvement. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's the part What's the adaptability. You're like, you know what? This used to work. You know, and it's not doing bad, but can we do it better? So the summary of those two comparisons is that in a fast-paced business environment, adaptability is key. I don't know a better way to put it. It's, you know, it's a key competitive advantage. So when we talk about the idea of embracing change or, or not embracing change, there's the advice that I was like, you know what this person can do? They're at this pivoting point. I don't know if it's a fork in the road. It's neither of those things. It's just you're at the right time for this to start showing up. And I want people, and I tell folks that I think have this ability to kind of evolve into leadership responsibilities, 
is they have to do the see a need, fill a need kind of mentality. Mm, yeah. And it's sometimes you don't want to have to tell people, hey, guess what? See a need, fill a need. Let me tell you what this means and how you can maybe start baking this into your day-to-day life. Because I'll tell you, and you and I talk about this. Oh, actually, we don't really talk about it. I scream about it and you listen about it. <laughs> There's a lot of things going on in the office and they're frustrating me or I get upset and it's like, I feel like I'm the Sisyphean task. I'm just constantly pushing the rock up the hill and I don't ever quite get to the top and I got to start over. Yeah. Nobody ever asked me to do any of these things that I end up doing. I just go, this could be better. This isn't right. Yeah. Like this doesn't make sense. And so rather than waiting for consensus, I kind of go, you know what? I'll get way more progress. I'll get more things done if I just do it and go, what do you think? Yeah. As opposed to, let's form a committee. Let's have a meeting. Let's talk. Let's get everybody's thoughts. And I, uh-uh, I'm not doing that. Now, I don't think I've had a moment yet in four years where somebody, I've done something. They go, we're not doing that at all. I've done tons of stuff that does not end up seeing the light of day in the way that I started because everybody has opinions that are worth taking into consideration. But there's this idea that see a need, fill a need. Adaptability and change. You have something that works, but you think it can be better? Then try to make it better. And a lot of people, I think that's a quality that not everyone inherently seeks out. They're like, status quo is just fine. Mm -hmm. I'm not that guy at all. Yeah, it's funny. (laughs) You talk about Status quo is just fine. At times, I'm I'm learning that that is the I don't know the manifesto of academia in some instances. Oh, I can imagine. Man, it's been this way for a hundred years. It's going to stay that way. Some parts of academia are these giant, very slow turning boats. I mean, other parts aren't. Other parts are really nimble, but there are some parts that it's like, yeah, this is status quo ad on infinitum till this place crumbles to the ground. Yeah, and I think I don't know. I don't think that's always the best answer. But it happens. You know, I think that what that tells you is that person's suited for management roles, not necessarily <laughs> leadership roles, right? Yeah, yeah. You need that person to say, whoa, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. But like, if you're put in the position of being the leader and you have the, well, wait a minute, like, I'm not going to tell the whole story. It's an amazing story, but I'm not going to tell it here. But I'm going to tell you, this is stuff that people just start to show up. I think there's this idea that you're just that person or you're not that person. Mm-hmm. The older I get, the more I realize. These are the traits that I value. These are the things that I aspire to. These are the things I seek out in the people that I admire. And I don't know if I force them on myself, but I start looking back at what I was doing 20 years ago and I go, that's what I'm looking for people to do now. And I remember I was on an AIA committee doing something and there was a, the Dallas chapter president and we had this event and I was like, this event isn't right. And it was the biggest moneymaker that the chapter did. It was the big gala black tie event. It was the whole thing. And I was like, we need to not do this. We're celebrating the wrong people, blah, 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 blah. So I got the president's sign. I go, I want to change this. We should change this. This is why we should change it. His response to this day, I still remember it. Because we're not making any changes. The ship's not going down on my watch. And it was the total, he wouldn't even entertain that this would be something that we would change. Yeah. Because it, it's fine. This is the biggest moneymaker they have. Why would we change this? Mm-hmm. I'm like, here's 10 reasons I can tell you why we should change it. So I lobbied again with the next year. Guess what? They eventually changed it. And now they both are killing it. The 1x of whatever it was is now like 2.5x because now they're two worthy standalone events. And I think about that guy and I go, you know what? Shouldn't have been in that role. You shouldn't have been that guy. You're not that guy. Mm, Yeah. You're a manager is what that is. Yeah. Okay. So here's the quote that I have 
And this is from Heraclitus. Oh, yeah, I probably don't have that one. <laughs> so Heraclitus, for the people that don't, you could probably guess, Greek philosopher, 500 mm-hmm. BC. <laughs> yeah. You probably, probably could have ballparked that one. Yep. So he's the guy, he's attributed with the idea of having, or at least, I don't know if it's like he came up with it, but the idea that the world is always becoming, but never being. Mm-hmm. This was like a philosophy. So if we're talking about adaptability and change, I go, this guy's got to have some gold. <laughs> so the quote he has, I doubt he said it like this, because he probably said it in Greek too. Yeah. The only thing that is constant is change. Mic drop. That's what that quote is. Oh, that's it? That's it. Yeah. All right. And he kind of go, it's, but he says it like it's a universal state of existence, like whatever, you can do whatever you want, but that is always true, will always be true. There's nothing you can do to make that not true. So you need to just recognize it and roll with it. Lean into it. Yeah. And maybe I just have, I've heard that so often in my life, that quote. I've never known who was it attributed to. There you go. What up, Heraclitus? <laughs> but the only constant is change. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't have that one. My quote here is by John Maxwell. Right. Okay. Hold on. Let me go to my list because I have a couple of John Maxwell ones because that guy's written a couple good books. Mm-hmm. Is the first three words a great leaders? Nope. Okay. All right. Hold on. Is it leaders touch? Nope. Okay. Hold on. I think I got one more. <laughs> this is fun. We should just do a whole episode of this. And no, I don't have any others. All right. Let's hear it. I'm excited. Oh, okay. So this is really, to me, about adaptability. The pessimist complains about the wind, the optimist expects it to change, and the leader adjusts the sails. Nice. I do like, that's a good one. Yeah. Again, that adaptability of not waiting to do things or not waiting to see what happens or expecting things to be different, but actually going out and and making things different and doing that adjustment. Yeah. And being adaptable to what's happening, being adaptable to the wind and not just waiting for something else to happen. So... So, you know, I have all these, like, why did I choose that quote? The reason I chose my quote actually worked for the same reason why you chose your quote. Yeah. I wrote down that I use this quote because it underscores the inevitability of change. Effective leaders not only accept this reality, but also lead their teams through it. Yeah. And again, to me, this quote's a little bit about taking action, not just sitting and hoping one way or the other, but being adaptable yeah. enough to actually move into action. Yeah. I'm in. That's a good one. All right. Okay. Number five. The last real section that we have, and this is on communication style. And I know if you're a listener to the show, you're like, how did communication style end up number five on number the five. list yeah. for a guy that always That's says- That's Bob's number one. Yeah, yeah. It's almost always number one. And it's not number one on this list because communication styles, depending on if you're a manager, it's always important. It's like the money conversation. Everybody wants more money. Yeah. Communication style. Everybody should be a good communicator. But- Managers communicate to convey instructions and ensure tasks are carried out. Communication is formal and transactional. I want you to do this, go and do that. This is the order. This is what we need. This is what you go do. Here's a plan. Go execute it. Mm -hmm. Leaders communicate to inspire and align. They emphasize the why behind the actions. Remember I said earlier, got to start with the why. Always start with the why. Yeah. They emphasize the why behind the actions. They foster a sense of purpose and shared values among team members. What you say and how you say it, wildly different for those two roles. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Pretty straightforward. Not much else to say about it, I don't think. 
it's funny. And, and probably half the, I don't know about half, that's might be hyperbole, but a lot of the quotes that always seem to resonate with me when you're looking at, oh, inspirational kind of ditties on leadership or management, a lot of times they do have to do with communication. And they almost always have to do with how do you inspire people to a shared goal? You don't rally the troops by saying, we're going to go down that trail right there and we're all going to carry our stuff and we're going to put it down once we get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is not, you're not singing the praises of the objective, like what we're going to do. You don't proselytize how we're going to do it. That's a big part of it. And the person who's like saying, this is the what we're going to do. This is the why we're going to do it. Those are the ones that inspire action and behavior and motivation and the people that look within the pieces of the whole to do the see a need, fill a need. Yeah. That's a pretty big distinction. So quote I have for this one is from Peter Drucker. Mm, okay. Who made the list twice, right? All right. So the quote I chose for this one was, the most important thing in communication is hearing what isn't said. Mm-hmm. And I chose that quote because it highlights the importance of understanding the subtleties in communication, which really it's vital in a leadership role. Most of the time when we talk about leadership tasks and what we're trying to accomplish, it's hard to describe a non-thing, but I talk about all the time with folks. I sometimes attribute it to critical thinking. Like you go, here's two different pieces of information and you like go this plus this equals something. Yeah. Well, sometimes it's the space between the two things that tells you what you need to know. The fact that there is space between the two things tells you what you need to know. So understanding what people want when they don't know what to ask for, that's it. Like, how do you get people what they want when they don't know what they want? Mm -hmm. How do you help people get to where they want to be when they don't know where they want to be? Yeah. So you have to take all the pieces and listen to the gaps. So. Yeah. So I have two here. Okay. All right. They're kind of different directions, but the first one here is by Lee Iacocca. Okay. I don't have any Lee Iacocca's on here. All right. All right. And this one is purely about communication. You can have brilliant ideas, but if you can't get them across, your ideas won't get you anywhere. Sure. So that's about being able to communicate, make sure things are clear. The other one I've got is from Colin Powell. Okay. I don't have any Colin Powells on here. And this deals in a way with communication, I think. Great leaders are almost always great simplifiers who can cut through the argument, the debate, and doubt to offer a solution that everyone can understand. And so I think a little bit about communication, but also your skill as a leader. Again, being able to communicate those things is really important. Yeah, I'm on board. Yeah. So I'm going to ask, though, is there one that you missed? Because I have one other quote that I really think is a good leadership quote, but I don't know if you had any that maybe just an overarching one from your list that's like nail on the head for just leadership in general. You know, there's a couple that I have on this list. Most of these quotes are pretty short. Yeah. Part of their strength comes in their, their ability to be succinct. Exactly. And one of the ones that I like because it doesn't get talked about a lot. I mean, it does, but not, it doesn't make the quote. It doesn't make the, the bit. Mm -hmm. And this actually comes from Douglas MacArthur, another five-star general. <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of interesting. I'm going to put it out there. It's not really the overarching one that I sure. want to bring up. There's another one of those. But, but if you like, sure. But this one says, a true leader has the confidence to stand alone, the courage to make tough decisions, and the compassion to listen to the needs of others. He does not set out to be a leader, but becomes one by the quality of his actions and the integrity of his intent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm in on all that. Yeah. 
And I go, that's a roadmap for you to like be a good person. There's so many things that are actually, if you can bake that into your existence. Yeah. Part of this has to do with the idea that people will follow you. You know, it's the, it's, it's kind of like leaders touch a heart before they ask for a hand, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a John Maxwell one or what helps people helps business. That's a Leo Burnett one. There are ones like the task of the leader is to get his people from where they are to where they have not been. It's like we talk about the visionary aspects of what a leader means and how does that manifest itself and like, how do you move forward? Like, where's your point in space? Yeah. But the one that, this is not the best overarching one, but it is a good summary of a lot of the positions I've taken during today's conversation. It's, and it is from John Maxwell. And he says, people buy into the leader before they buy into the vision. Mm-hmm. And that's where the integrity and the, yeah. you know, it's the idea that you present yourself a certain way, even if it's not always great, but you're consistent and both the good and the bad and you're fair and you have a set of standards. And there's a lot of things that, I don't know, Dwight Eisenhower said it too, the supreme quality of leadership is integrity. Yeah. And of course, the structure that these guys, as they rise through the military rankings to become literally at one point in the world, they're the most powerful people that exist. Yeah. You know, I mean, during roughly our lifetimes, but yeah, it has to do with how you carry yourself. That attitude reflects leadership. Mm -hmm. Be the person that you want others to aspire to be like. Those all kind of, I don't want to say it other than even though I have all this research and found loads of examples of people telling others how to become better leaders. Again, the truth seems to be that leadership is thrust upon those through strength of conviction and moral character lead through personal example. Yeah. So. People follow you because I don't even say you present yourself as a good person, but because you are a good person. It's those things of like, you do what you say you're going to do and you respect people and you, again, have that sense of integrity and all those kinds of things. I think it's really true. I think that is something that is true across the board, no matter what you're doing. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's sports, if it's business, if it's your hobbies, whatever it is, right? That sort of idea of leadership or being a leader that holds true for the whole thing. I will say this. There's a, not all these are positive. Some of the quotes that I put on this thing, they're not all positive. They're kind of like calling out the frauds, you know, the people yeah, that, yeah. that think they're that person and they're really not. Yeah. So Andrew Carnegie, you know, interesting guy to have on the list. Oh, yeah. He has on here, no man will make a great leader who wants to do it all himself or get all the credit for having done it. Yeah, I have that quote too. Yeah, that's a good one. So another John Maxwell quote. Mm-hmm. He goes, a great leader's courage to fulfill his vision comes from passion, not position, Mm, which mm -hmm. suggests you don't have the label. You do it because you believe in it, not because you feel that you've been given the mantle to execute it. Yeah. I have one similar to that. This is leadership is not about a title or a designation. It's about impact, influence, and inspiration. There's two that I really like. One is a good leader leads people from above them. And a great leader leads people from within them. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a really important one to me. I've always thought about that, especially I think in our profession of not having such a hierarchical structure. Like in reality, that's not always the best way to work. And that everybody's ideas and opinions are valid and carry the same weight, regardless of if you've been doing it for two days or 200 years. Yes. Yes. That sort of notion. And then the other one that I really like And again, the way that I think about it sometimes is from Einstein. The leader is one who, out of clutter, brings simplicity, out of discord, harmony, and out of difficulty, opportunity. I think that's always a really good one, being a leader to be able to pull out 
or change the situation. I mean, that might have been a good one for you, the adaptability part even as well. But yeah, looking at things from a different perspective and being able to pull through, pull everybody in that direction. Well, I have a couple of summaries that I took a couple of minutes to write up because I thought, you know, there's a lot of bullet point kind of stuff that we went through today. <laughs> yeah. And this might be, I don't know, a little floral for how I normally close out these summaries, but I don't know. This is something I spent a lot of time thinking about because I've I've found myself unintentionally being told like this is the direction that you need to go, and I can't help but always feel like I'm not equipped. I'm not that person. I don't want to be a fraud. Yeah. So I, I spend an exorbitant amount of time on this, more than I want to confess, to be honest with you. My summary was leadership with its visionary essence calls upon us to inspire to create a compelling picture of the future, and to rally others towards a shared aspiration. It's about fostering innovation, embracing change, and instilling a sense of purpose that transcends daily tasks. It involves looking beyond the horizon, navigating uncharted waters, and motivating teams to reach their full potential. That is back-of-the-book jacket writing, to be certain. Yeah. But it touches on all the five different things we talked about, like, this is the role. These are the obligations and the chores and the tasks and the things that you have putting on your plate. You know, we have this comment, we can't all be shepherds. It just doesn't work. And if you don't have any sheep, you can't be a shepherd either. Like, I mean, yeah, a shepherd with no sheep is just a guy or just a person, right? <laughs> a dude with a big crooked stick. <laughs> yes. So there's the idea that both of these things are wildly important and they absolutely are fundamentally linked to one another. In order for you to have success with the one, you really have to have the pieces in place for the other to play its role. So the flip side is management is that bedrock of stability, person responsible for the efficiency and the executor of well-laid plans. It's about orchestrating resources and ensuring that the products needed for day-to-day operations are there so that things work seamlessly, the goals are met with precision. Managers are the people that, they're the custodians of structure. They're the guardians of process, the champions of operational excellence. I mean, like, you got to hype these people up Mm -hmm. because I'm telling you, if you don't have them, nothing works. Nothing works. You have to have those people. Yeah, the thing I want to emphasize maybe about that is that, again, it doesn't necessarily mean that these people are at different points in some kind of hierarchy. Yeah. They can be side by side. I think some of the best businesses, their smaller businesses that I know, actually have these two kinds of people as the principals, the owners. There's those two personalities that are managed or combined, I should say, in order to make everything work. Because really, each one without the other doesn't do any good. I mean, you can't have one and not have the other and hope to get anywhere or to, to make any sort of progress. Yeah. They both have to be in place. And it's not a matter of hierarchy. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that the leader is on top of the manager. And job titles and stuff, that's sometimes how it seems to happen. But that's not necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. In reality, they can be equals in that whole role of the company or of whatever it is, the process. So I agree with that. But I would actually argue that... If you had to put an age to it, I can get leadership qualities at any stage. Mm, Yeah, for sure. You can be one year out of school and you're demonstrating leadership tendencies. You can be the leader on on various different roles and responsibilities that you might have. For sure. Management, for me, suggests that you've got some laps around the block. There's a certain amount of understanding of how best to utilize resources that comes from experience. It comes from a fundamental and substantial amount of knowledge that nobody's a good manager 
right out of the gate. There's things that you fundamentally have to figure out and work through and experience to get better and better at your job. The visionary aspect of leadership can happen at at any point. Mm -hmm. You just don't necessarily always have the, I don't know, the station to execute that vision. So it leaks out in other areas and you start to see it in other folks before they're in a position to really stand at the front of the boat and say, we're going over there. Yeah. I mean, possibly. So might disagree with that a little bit because I've had students that I can tell they're going to be an excellent project manager at some point. Hey, like, oh, sure. Because they're that way. So, I mean, I think those qualities manifest themselves early, just like leadership. But I, I get where you're coming from that at some point the management comes out of experience. But I think there are qualities that people have from the get go. Yes, absolutely. The person that you and I talked about at the beginning of the show, she showed those qualities as an, a summer intern in my office. Yeah. And you went, you know what? You're going to be an amazing project manager because your brain works a particular way. It's just the way she thinks about things and she organizes things. She breaks things down in such a way that makes perfect sense. The difference is that she doesn't actually know enough to leverage the way her brain thinks on how to distribute all that stuff just yet. Mm. That's kind of what I mean. Like she can manage these things, but it's going to be a while before she would say, hey, you're going to be the project manager on this $500 million office building. Yeah. You're going to have to know some stuff before you get there. Yeah. So it's not a slight. I certainly don't mean to intend that there's a hierarchy here. One doesn't begin where the other one ends, I guess is what I'm trying to get to. Yeah, no, 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 for sure. So let's get to the end of the show because we've been at this for, oh, actually, I didn't think the show was going to end up being that long, to be honest with you. In the beginning, I thought it was going to be real short. We managed to stretch it out. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, let's power through it. So maybe when we cut out some of the the quotes that we put in here, because we're like, there's a lot of quotes. We'll see where it lands out. So we're going to actually change things up at the end of today's show. We're going to do a this and that. We haven't done a lot of these. And so this is it. Andrew came up with this one. I was like, let's do this one. (laughs) So I haven't really thought about it, but I don't think I have to think about it for that long. (laughs) And so I know that's the only thing I'm worried about is this is not maybe much of a conversation. But I also think that you and I are not going to fall in the same line of this. All right. All right. So we'll just see. So here it is. This and that. And the premise is that there's something on here and it's pretty good. But in order to get to pretty good, you got to do this other thing, which might not be so great. And is it worth doing the thing at the other side to get the thing at the one part? Mm -hmm. It's kind of what it is. Yeah. So this one is you get perfect fall weather for the month of October and November. I mean, perfect weather. But the and is every possible option of food or beverage, get your car washed and you get a scent in your car. It doesn't matter. Everything is pumpkin spice (laughs) during that time period. Two months of pumpkin spice nonstop. Everything. Yeah. And, you know, I'm already being bludgeoned to death with, oh, it's pumpkin spice. It's Starbucks time. Or it's like, oh... Dunkin' Donuts has this pumpkin spice, whatever. You know what? Out. I'm not doing it. I don't like pumpkin that much to begin with. I kind of go, your ability to answer this question can be determined by this. Do you like pumpkin pie or not? Yeah. And I do not like pumpkin pie. In fact, I question people that do like pumpkin pie. (laughs) I I don't get it. I don't get it. So pumpkin pie, spice, all that. Some people lose their minds. They're so excited about it. Not for me. Yeah. So you, 
No, I'm out too. I hate pumpkin spice. Really? Oh yeah, God, I can't stand it. I thought- no. That's why I knew we were going to come down to the same spot, because I can't stand it. I thought you liked... Oh, God, no. Oh, I thought you liked it. No. I loathe. I loathe that there's even a buildup to pumpkin spice. PSL, pumpkin spice latte season. I want to shoot myself in the face. No. I mean, it's like the worst. And that... <laughs> That's aggressive. <I> <laughs> but then, you know, you go to the store, and it's like, it's the candles. It's the car scents. It's the whatever scratch and sniff it's everything on the planet that is that way i'm worried that i'm gonna go to the store later to buy halloween candy and i'm only gonna be able to find pumpkin spice kit kats or snickers or like it's all gonna be pumpkin spiced over and you're just like what are we doing here people why is this thing yes can we not it's not that great quite honestly because yes pumpkin pie (laughs) is who may who even eats it and who makes it like beyond the consistency because that's the grossest thing is it's like Hey, the flavor. My Come nephew's on. wife loves, loves pumpkin nah. pie. In fact, when they came over for Thanksgiving last year, there was the question of, we always make a couple pies. So we always make an apple pie. For a while, we were making three pies. An apple pie, cherry pie, and a lemon chest pie. No pecan? No pecan pie? Now, I'm not a big... Interesting. I'm not a big nut eater. I don't like it either, but to me, that's a southern thing. You might get... It's like nut jelly. I don't dislike the flavor of it. I just don't like eating it. I'll eat like a bite or two and I'm done. Like I, it's not like pumpkin pie. I don't even want to do it. Like if a piece of it ended up on my plate with other food, I'm like, I'm, the whole plate's trash. <laughs> I'm not that way with pecan oh, pie. Oh, okay. All right. But she was like, when we told her the pies we were having, she's like, you don't need pumpkin pie? And I was like, no. And she brought over maybe the world's record for pumpkin pie. It was like 800 feet across. It was the biggest <laughs> pumpkin pie I'd ever seen in my life. They were so excited about it. It was like one of those giant cookie things, but it was a pumpkin pie. Or it was like a yeah. extra, extra large pizza, but it's a pumpkin pie. Yes. Like, oh my God. Yeah. She didn't make it. She went to like Sam's Club or something like that and she yeah. bought it. And the people that like pumpkin pie, they're like, this is pretty good pumpkin pie. And I was like, I just can't. It's just, uh, you know. No, I'm with you. I was about to say, I'm not going to throw shade at the people that like it. And I go, yeah, I am. I do. If you. Oh. <laughs> so one of my neighbors came over and his wife had made jambalaya and they had a bunch of chaos happen in their family and stuff whatever so they didn't get to eat it like a bunch of people were supposed to come over and they didn't come over oh so he's like we have a metric ton of jambalaya yeah do you want it i'm like yeah i do so he came over with this giant bowl of jambalaya so we ate it yeah and he goes i got dessert too and his daughter had made i think it was his daughter made them these cookies it was macaroon so they were like these yellow macaroons and, uh, and they're pretty good bakers over in that house. Mm. So I pick it up and they're all a little smashed because uh, carried them over in his pocket inside a bag of foil or something. And I got it and it was kind of yellow and I'm like, mmm, lemony. Lemon. And I bit into it and I was like, oh, that's pumpkin spice. And, I, and he goes, what is it? I go, it's delicious. And then I threw it all in the trash, right? All right. <laughs> it's delicious. <laughs> As I spit it out in my napkin. I could appreciate the execution. Sure. The flavor was on point. Yeah. It's just not my flavor. Not my flavor either. (laughs) Wasn't it? I mean, there's a part of me that's always just because I'm so anti the hype at this point. Oh. Had it not grown into what it is, I might could manage it, but just the hype of it, yeah, it's beyond me and it irritates me to my core. (laughs) No, I'm not that far. I will say, I'm actually kind of excited for the people that are like, they're so jazzed. They're like, oh my gosh, it's that time of year. They're so excited. I go, all right, well, you know, awesome for you. Yeah. I mean, I don't care. Live it up. Doesn't move my needle at all. I don't want to eat it. But for them, 
every now and then I look at folks like that and I go, man, I wish I had something I was so excited about, like a wind pepperoni pizza latte. It's <laughs> <is> true. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I think we've reached a point where I'm going to call today's show a wrap. Thank you for being with us for episode 136, Leadership versus Management. Special thanks to Construction Specialties. They are so focused on the importance of helping architects achieve their creative vision that they have created a CEU Academy with multiple courses concerning facade design. These courses are each worth one AIALU or one IDCECCEU slash HSW. That's a lot of letters, folks. It's got to be good. Visit masteringmovement.net to take this and other worthwhile courses. We'd also like to thank our media partners, Building Design and Construction, for their ongoing support of the Life of an Architect podcast. Want to get every new episode automatically downloaded? We're available on all major podcast platforms, so hit that subscribe button and you'll get notified every two weeks when we publish an astounding new episode. And while you're there, please take a few moments to leave us a five-star lead-by-example rating. To get even more content, head over to lifeofanarchitect.com for blog posts, links, and info about this legendary episode and all the website has to offer. You can even add your own voice and join the conversation. And thanks so much for tuning in. Take it easy, everybody. Cheers. <laughs>